Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Yo, got some. Welcome to Twitch. How you doing, mate? Yeah, man. How are you? Your, di- your DIY in your shed. Yeah. Do you like? Do you like our little? Do you like my little shed? It's it's my it's my disco shed in the garden. Man cave. Yeah, proper in it. Yeah, <laughs> how are you i'm good yeah i'm just here in bristol um just yeah it's a bit gloomy middle of winter making yeah. the most of it um you look cold <laughs> yeah i've got i've got my hoodie on you know what I mean? nice but it's funny i'm sitting on my kitchen table and i've got this little chair <laughs> So this Nothing. is me right now. <laughs> Funny story, I've actually written loads of music on this chair, on this table. So you never you never know what happens on the kitchen table. Is it is it just the shape or the, is it like it doesn't have a back, does it, that chair? What's going on with it? No, nah, it's kind of like, uh, I don't even know, it's something from Ikea and it's perfect for me to sit under. Um, how's the last couple of years been? Like I haven't seen you for a while. Like I think the last time was BMC, like 2019 yeah, Brighton. maybe. Yeah, it's been crazy. I remember playing up on that 360 thing in Brighton. That's right. That was like early 2019 as well. So it's been a solid long time, three years. Holy crap. Yeah. It was kind of crazy because I went into lockdown and I was like kind of panicking, not knowing what to do. And I'd before lockdown, say from 2017, I started like writing loads of different stuff. So I was writing lots of acid house and stuff and it kind of didn't fit into got some i got like a classic 303 um Mm -hmm. and i borrowed like a bunch of outboard from my friends and i just started writing all this music and it didn't really really fit with got some so i sort of started writing this new alias didn't want to tell anyone about it didn't really know about it just knew that i was writing the music and then covid happened and i was like i'm gonna give got some up i was gonna be like don't know about it, kind of lost interest in about it. I was really interested in writing these long, crazy techno tunes and acid tunes. And then I spoke to one of my friends actually in Brighton and he was like, got some's got kind of a bit of a legacy. So I was like, I, I wasn't really aware of it because when you're writing music or being an artist, you're not really aware of what other people think. Hmm. So, and then I just started writing some more and um, that was when Caught in Your Rhythm came along. And uh, I got given uh, a cappella from Clementine Douglas, which was actually a drum and bass a cappella. No way. Drum and bass record. Yeah. She she just told me that the other day. She said no one had really got into it and no one had really, um, no one had really found a beat for it. And no one had really given her a feature. A few feature people have um, put her on like Subfocus and Wilkerson and so forth. Mm. But no one had really like said, here you go, this is your thing. So Caught in Your Rhythm was that thing. That's mental. But sort of from there, I just went on and um, sort of writing more, got some stuff, and really homing in on what got some is. How, okay, so yeah, because before, the, when we when I last spoke to you, you were like proper releasing Acid House tracks as on the Ultra, I seem to remember. And then how, how did that, like you so you went back in and sort of worked out how, what is got some and what it is to you? How did, how, why, where did that start? Like, fuck, that's a big project. It was it's really funny because I just realized that 
what got some was and also like I was writing kind of quite experimental music mm. for Ultra I guess I was writing acid and stuff like that and and I don't think the people that came from Gotham really liked it and really really got into it so that's what sent me on this more underground path of mm. writing this acid music and really really being experimental mm. and then going back into the roots of Gotham which are Keeping it sort of Chicago, I guess, but having full vocals, big bass lines, have, mm. it, having it quite fun, you know? Mm. And that's what sort of, when I was in lockdown and it, the COVID times, I just really, really focused on that, you mm. know, on making them got some records. You can see all that when, from the releases from last year. Like I was having a play, listen, the last few days, just getting familiar again. And, and there's like, you can see the difference. It's mental. Yeah, it's just being aware of like what your fans and what your people are into. Because as an artist, you go up and down, don't you? You really mm. like, you are experimental. And it's whether if your fans or your crew like follow you or not, you know? And I think some artists get lost in that. That's cool. What what happened? Like, what's going to? Obviously, you've got all that other music you wrote. What's what are you doing with that? You're just going to keep it for yourself. Oh, I've, and... I've 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 got it. Yeah, I've got it. I've started <laughs> a new. I've got a new project. I've got about twenty unsigned records or something, <laughs> and I've done loads of collabs with people who are in that scene as well. But I really want it to be different. Um, I was trying to do everything together. I was trying to be an artist that put all their output out. But mm. the more and more I realised is people weren't necessarily into that. That's interesting. Yeah, because I would have thought you could have gone like across the board. Now you've got a big enough fan base that you could swerve a little bit, you know? Yeah, it was funny. I really thought that. I wrote an acid house tune with Roxanne Chante. She was mm. the first female rapper from New York. <laughs> and it was like a hip hip house. And oh, I love it, that sound. Didn't, it just didn't connect. Right? And it was a bit of a sad thing for me. But mm. then you just got to realise, like, are people into, you know? And then mm. I did other songs with Clementine and stuff on Tool Room and uh, Shout It Back with Alex Mills, and they fully connected, you know? The audience. Oh, wow, that's mad. Um, you've done a lot of collabs. In fact, most of the ones recently are collabs. Can we talk about those? Can we talk yeah, about, sure. I guess the, also, the process. Like, what? how does that work for you? Do, you? do you sit down with them? Do you make something first and then send it to them? How does that work? Yeah, it's been funny because... Um, at the start of lockdown, I just really, really wanted to st stay connected with other artists. Mm. That was really important to me. So it's really important to connect with people, work online. Because when you're working on your own, it gets quite boring. It gets quite, it gets quite lonely, you know. So that was that was the first port of call. With that it was just like connecting with other artists to create something new and special when everyone was locked down. I guess it's kind well, of like socialising. Yeah. Were those connections you already had or did you have to kind of go and find them? Some of them I had, some of them I hadn't. You know, it's just chatting online. Um, also being into, influenced by each other, you know. So say with George Kowali, um, I've just kind of been influenced by quite a lot of his tunes. I hooked up with Kadeko. Um, in Brighton a few times and George was always around so and we always caught jokes so we just decided to write a tune I love his music I've been we've been supporting his music for ages I yeah I'm a big fan of him I was wondering how that happened yeah. that's cool yes yeah, it's, it's crazy he actually took a little break um and I just believe he's just started producing again so hopefully we'll see something new from him 
That's cool. What I was going to ask you before we even start is, all the gang in the chat, so this, obviously this is a lunchtime stream. We're big fans of the old meal deal. You know, the Tesco, Sainsbury's, Subway. Do you have a go-to meal deal? I'm a meal deal guy as well. Yes, sir! But the thing is, is depends how rich you are. If you're really poor, I'm really yeah. poor at the minute, you go yeah. for the Tesco meal deal. Yeah. But if you're a little bit not poorer, you're going to go Marks and Spencers or even Waitrose or even go to the deli on the corner <laughs> and <laughs> the get the quiche the salad and whatnot, you know? What, what Do you have a go-to option from Tesco's? I really, the go-to one is Marks and Spencers poached salmon with watercress. No way. That's, that's the go-to. But I don't know if it's wow. in the deal. I don't know. You know, if you're be. going really, really cheap, you just got to go for a ham and cheese or, or, or yeah, tuna. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, if you're, or the club sandwich at, um, at Tesco's. That's in my, the £3 mega deal. My Tesco in the mega deal was always the uh, breakfast triple. Like, it's so, lot, unhe- it? so unhealthy. Like, it's just the white- salt content in there. White bread... Blooming sausage and bacon. Oh man! But now, now that's I'm down to the it. now I'm down to the soup or the salad, and that's about it. That's it. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm on the boiled egg and brown brown toast at the minute, and then a little yeah. bit of avocado on the side. That's nice, me. nice. That's cool. What are they saying? Are they saying yeah, the post of Bristol restaurants. Oh yeah, <laughs> I do. If you follow me on Instagram, um, at got some DJ. I yep. usually put loads and loads of places, all the cafes, all the restaurants. I've got a little um, like story thing. It's got some <laughs> grub or grub with got some. Nice. So make sure you check that, and it's got all of the Bristol spots in it. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, are you always always lived in Bristol? You grew up there. I grew up in Bristol. I'm born in Bristol, and then I moved to London when I was about eighteen to go to university. Mm-hmm. And I stayed there for three years or so. And then I sort of been coming backwards. I've been with girlfriends and so forth that have been in London. So I've sort mm-hmm. of been there and backwards. I thought we'd play some music this afternoon and play some of the, play yeah, some sure. of the recent releases and get, yeah, some, get some music in there. Because we can play music, so we're all good. We don't get takedowns. It's yeah, 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 exactly. Amazing. <laughs> that's what Twitch is for, right? Uh, so I thought we'd kind of go backwards and then come forwards, if that's cool. Yeah, fine. I wasn't going to go as far as back as Caught in the Rhythm, but do you want to play that one since we talked about it? Yeah, do it. Let's. If I switch to here, there we go. We can actually play this. So this is Caught in the Rhythm with Clementine Douglas. So you made this during lockdown? Yeah, right at the start, actually. Um, I believe I did it in the March of lockdown. I did it on this table, literally. <laughs> no right here. She sent me a cappella and I literally just whacked it on there and just had a bass line and some skippy beats. Literally wanted to make it like a got something real simple and hypnotizing and that was the vibe. Did you go back and listen to the old like older, older stuff just to kind of refresh the where your sound was and where like where it kind of deviated, or did you just kind of have it in your head? No, I think I just deviated by doing all the acid stuff because yeah. that was what I was feeling, you know. That was the vibe. Well, let's play this. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's play it, yeah.
that was a banger. Let's give that the rave one. <laughs> we'll give it the Hulk. We'll give it the Hulk. Hulk, yeah. <laughs> um, Jono in the chat says, must be a nice feeling to get over a million plays. I was just saying to you, wow, a million plays. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even know. I knew it was getting near, but I didn't know it was a million. It's funny. Um, as I was just saying to you, Graham, I've got a couple of copies on vinyl. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give the two vinyls away on my Instagram in the next week or so. Nice. So keep an eye on my Instagram and I'll give the vinyls away. Nice. Wicked. Cool. Okay. So that, so that was, that was caught in the river. Let's carry on. That was sick. I was, this is where I was going to start. Shout it back for D4 Dance. But that's cool, man. I enjoyed that. That was yeah, sick. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this one with Alex Mills. How did it start? Where did it start? And uh, It's really funny. Again, in lockdown, I had this moment of, I just... I sort of stopped working with my manager and my agent and so forth. And I just decided I really wanted to go DIY and just reach out to artists. So obviously I spoke to Clementine and I just started reaching out to loads of artists that I really like. And a lot of people hit me up and asked me this and they're like, oh, you know, how do you get singers and stuff like that? All mm. I did in COVID times was I just called them up. I hit them on a DM and said, I'm really into what you do. It's like, That's here's bad. some instrumentals. If you get, catch a vibe on them, then send it over. If you don't, you don't know half feelings. And I literally did that um, to a bunch of people. And uh, yeah, I got loads of amazing music back and, and this is it, you know? Yeah, that question always comes up a lot. How do you get singer? How do you find vocalists and singers? And like, obviously the audience is all aspiring artists and producers. And I guess they don't have your the legacy name. I guess how would I guess the same would work for them though, maybe? Yeah, it's tricky. I was actually chatting to my manager that I got now about this and we were talking about bootlegs and we we're talking about samples. And obviously for me at the start I used a lot of samples and I got a really good connection with um all the radio DJs at Radio One and at KISS and with Mr. Jam and Annie Mack and so forth. It was really important to nurture them relationships right from the start. Even with Jaguar, for me, it was B-Traits. I was really good friends with B-Traits. So I used to send her music. And she used to, on the Sunday night show, she used to play all my music. And then eventually, uh, she sat in for Pete Tong and she played Baseline. And then nice. from then, you know, it went off. So I say one of the really important things is making sure you send it to the up-and-coming radio DJs. So even people like Jaguar, it's so important for emerging artists right now. Mm. So that's a really important, if you want to get your music played on radio, make sure you follow through and just keep keep sending. Even if they don't reply, just keep sending. And eventually you'll find that one song that will connect. I, I do you know I'm in the majority of those producers that can't get good vocalists. And Mario says, do you mind talking about compensations with those vocalists? How does that work? For me, I split everything. So what I do is we get the vocal in and then everything is split 50-50. Nice. There's loads and loads of people that do it differently. If you're dealing with a professional vocalist, it's really important in my eyes to give them what they deserve. Yeah, I noticed all of your tracks where it's you and the vocalist are just equal partners on the track instead of it being featured or something, which I, which which then obviously echoes that 
what you're saying there as well, which is cool. I think you need to give people juice, especially from where we come from with dance music and looking mm. what's happened over the last two to three, four years. It's been really big house records and mm. the vocalists haven't been credited. We need to mm. remember where this music comes from. It comes from the ghetto of Chicago, New York and Detroit. It doesn't come from some white middle-class bedroom in, in middle <laughs> England. We need to remember that. If we have good singers on there, they need to be represented and they need to get paid correctly. So, yeah, so how did the, so let's talk about the process with Alex. So you, you reached out to her. Yeah, what happened with Alex really is I reached out to her on another song. So originally a song that we did hmm. had some of her vocal chops on it and I decided to try and get another vocalist to do it, but they, they didn't sound right. So I just reached out to Alex and said, could you could we use it? Mm-hmm. I think this is on the Kokori record even, but she didn't actually end up featuring on it. So what happened is she was like, I'm not, I can't really do this song. I haven't really, vo- I haven't really vibed with it. And then I sent her, shout it back, and she just did it in about a minute. Came no way. I was just like, yeah, I got it. It's worked out. And then, yeah, and then we went from there, really. Really wanted to keep it simple. Do you ever get involved with the kind of lyric process or do you leave that to the writer? And um, That's not my thing. That's not my forte. I haven't got them <laughs> tools. Yeah, most recently, I've actually started working with top line writers as well. Mm-hmm. So what I'll be is there'll be a, a singer there and a top line writer. It's a proper process now. Yeah, yeah, that's mad. Is that on the current release or is that releases that are coming out yeah like moving forward that's what i'm doing that for the you know the newer stuff but i guess that's the process i'm going through now i can talk about that a little bit later i guess yeah that's cool well let's play shout it back let's play this So go and tell us about this track. I guess when I wrote the wrote the tune, it was funny because I borrowed the original Roland TR three hundred three off Toddler T. He finished using it, and originally there was a story that he had bought it from Nightmares on Wax or something like that. Yeah. So this piece of equipment had a lot of history. So and I took it to the studio and worked out how to use it. Anyone that's used a three hundred three knows what a ball ache it is because you've got to like <laughs> basically you've got to like tap it and you've got to tap all the notes and then you've got to tap it 16 times and then you've got to put an accent on it it's anyone that produces and makes it knows what a ball ache it is <laughs> so end of the day i in lockdown i spent ages just looking at it and messing around with it and learning it and stuff and mm. and this track 
was the one that I went fully on in a fully just went crazy on it. And nice. um, I'm happy that it's a vocal tune and it works, you know, and, and it doesn't sound like a crazy underground acid tune. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, you've still got the acid in there from when you're saying that you kind of pulled it out, but you've still got it in there and it's which, which is mad. Yeah, I just want to keep original with it. That's the thing. I didn't want to c- completely take it away. There's a few tunes that I've written under this new alias that is co- they're completely wild. They're just, they're more like Daniel Avery or one of them, you know, proper, proper left. Oh, wow. That is, that is, that is out there. But going back to signing it for D for Dance, mm. uh, obviously I came originally from Defected. Yep. So it was always a dream for me to work with, with Defected again. I think as a record label and a camp, they're really, really good creatively and culturally. I think they're really, really pushing things forward and they have been for many years. Yeah. Cause you got your first, you, your, 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 your first release was on Defected, wasn't it? And yeah, first remember? two or three. In fact, wow! So baseline was yeah, the first. Yeah, so wow. baseline, and then and then um, I did another one, a second EP. And did you just send that the normal process, like literally send it to Simon and hope for the hope for the best, or had it? No, it was, it was funny. I sort of touched on the story before. What happened is uh, I gave it to B Traits at the time, and what happened is she was covering Pete Tong. I think Pete Tong was sick. Yeah, yeah. And Pete, and then she played bassline for the first song. And I believe Simon and Andy Daniel, who was working for hmm. Defected at the time, were driving back from a gig and they heard it and they were like, oh my God, what's this? Next day, they contacted me and we were like, they were like, oh, you really want to sign it? It's funny, um, before it was under a different name. It wasn't Got Some, it was under another alias. Um, and a lot of people had it. And no one had listened to it. No one had paid any attention of it. And it wasn't until I changed it to Got Some mm. and then I gave it to B Traits and B Traits played it at that time. And then people worked it out and they were like, right, we're into this. You know? That's mad. That's mad. I didn't realize it was unsigned when you gave it to I thought you kind of just, you, it, would, it, had been, it was it signed and it was there and it was like, and then you gave it to B Traits and she kind of blew it up that way. But no way. That's mad. The song was written 16 months before it was played on Radio 1 for the... Actually, to be saying that, Beatrix had played it before on her Sunday night show, but it mm-hmm. wasn't until the big Friday night Pete Tong one that everyone was like, wow, what's this? I, that's mental. I wonder because I, I wonder if that could still happen today, first, first thought is. Yeah, I was thinking about this today. I don't know if it would because the way the mechanics of the industry work now and the fact mm. that Spotify, when this came out, there wasn't a big Spotify thing. Spotify was just starting. Mm. So now it's more like you sign a record, you get a date that it's going to come out on Spotify and then it's played on Radio 1 or it's played on Kiss or whatever. Mm. It's very rare now that you have a tune that's unsigned that's played like months before that it goes on Spotify. Just because of social media. Yeah, I remember. I remember back in the back in the, like back way back. It was like it was on like people would put them on SoundCloud and put them public on SoundCloud, and then they'd get found, and then and then they would take them off, and because they'd been signed. Yeah. But, and then you'd have signed like radio, but yeah, I reckon the equivalent today must be like an Instagram play, and it's or a TikTok play, and it kind of blows up that way. I guess it's really funny. I've been talking to a lot of my peers about this, about social media, and about the way that music is explored and found 
the positives and negatives. And I think it's really important to ask your followers, you know. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I come from the time of before Instagram. And for me, social media is, you know, on a negative. It kind of kills culture to a certain extent in that you can't just find something completely original and just put it out there. I feel like, I don't know. I'm interested to what you guys think about this. Um, what they're saying, they're saying uh, they're still kind of, they've got a bit, there's a bit of a delay. They're still chatting about whether it can happen on Radio 1. It nearly happened with Jono, who said he's got, who Charlie Hedges and he played his track, but never ended up playing it. Great. That's really uh, good. Are interest, are, I was still interested in a track after it's been played out. Yes, definitely. They yeah. definitely are. Yeah. Loads of tracks have been signed that way because because they've given it to a bigger bigger artist to play first. and then Yeah, there's there's even been some times where you put a tune on Bandcamp for like two, three years, and then mm -hmm. someone will pick it up and they'll be like, oh, I mean, there's that Oats or whatever they're called. What they've got, they're, they're, they're on the A-list on Radio 1. I had that on Bandcamp Odin, like a few months I, ago. Oh Yeah, Odin and Fatso. Exactly. Jamie Royer blew that track up last year because he played it. So at, that tune unarmed. has been on Bandcamp for like two years. No, well, I didn't realize that. Signed to a major, so so to answer your question, yeah, it can be blown up like that. So would Spotify crucify you if you had a tune played on BBC Introducing? No, I don't no, think so no. It's really important to get your tunes to BBC Introducing. I think that's the best way right now. Yeah, because essentially, essentially Spotify they're a business, so they want streams yeah. and users on their platform, and they want people using the platform. So the more heat it's kind of got and the more kind of things you're going to push then yeah basically I, just, their business. I think it's it's really important to give your tunes to the radio but mm. also like if you've got a chance to self-release them it's really good to get your tune played say on jaguar and then the week later be able to self-release it through spotify if i was coming through now that's what i would do i think really it's that's mental quite, it's quite hard like trying to really really be on these big labels if you're unheard of you're really mm. going to have to have, be backed by a lot of people like a lot of DJs or a lot of radio DJs and so forth but I think if you can do it yourself that's amazing because you've got all the control you own mm. the masters you own everything you don't answer to anyone build your own playlist and your own numbers and your own streams everything yeah. but it's it's quite important for people to hear it so it's quite important how people like Jaguar and people in your local areas on BBC or Kiss or whoever, you know, even pirate radio stations, even more importantly, to play your music. But then to be able to put on Spotify, it's quite a cool thing to do, no? I just think it's really key to get your to get your process from making a song to giving it to certain mentors. It's really important to have a mentor. Like when I was growing up, I had I was lucky enough to have a couple of mentors. Um, within the industry, producers, DJs, even some managers. So it's really important to ask some questions because people just want to give you, you know, they want to talk to you. You know, it's really important. But to look at your process of going from into the studio to letting people hear hear your music, you know, whether it be on the radio or, or putting it on YouTube or on Spotify, you know, or yeah, SoundCloud, sorry. Ah, oh, who were your uh, skeleton keys? Who was your mentors? <laughs> That's cool. Uh yeah, cool. I had many mentors. I've been lucky. Um, being from Bristol, my first mentor was a guy called Daddy G from Massive Attack. No way. 
Yeah, my mum used to work with him when I was a kid. So I used to chat to him and I used to give him music when I was really, really young. And he used to tell me what he thought. And then um, drum and bass guys, all the full cycle guys, so Ronnie, Die and Quest, um, the guys from Koshin, were really, really good friends. I've been really lucky, you know. And then I moved to London to go to university and I started working for a record label called V Recordings. It's a big drum and bass label. And I worked for Brian G, Jumping Jack Frost. My first job working for them was to look after a Brazilian DJ called DJ Marky. We had we he joined he joined us on the stream in December. It was really cool. Oh wow, he's an amazing guy, Marky. He's so nice. But also, like that was one of my mentors. You know, when I was growing up, I used to write drum and bass, and I used to give it to him. He used to be like, "I like this. I don't like this." Even if your mentors don't play your music, it's really important just to get that feedback and get their vibe let's play another track so let's jump in the next one you had out was one with george qualley in the dark which is on tool room so let's play this and we can then talk about it afterwards go that was a good time yes. there we go uh what's the going on in the chat so what they're saying killer vocal on that yeah it's, fu- it's funny the the singer that we wrote it with is actually mm. a folk more of a folk singer no so way that was the reason why we didn't have her feature because her solo stuff is completely different and there's nothing to do with dance music so shit her and her management were like let's keep it separate and we were like cool mm. it's fine yeah, I guess that cross site, like, because you, when you're, I guess, from a Spotify point of view, you're crossing over, you want to kind of touch each other's audiences, but hers is yeah. just not going to be yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's wouldn't benefit her to, to be on a dance label. So I got, I totally understand that. She's really cool. It's called Erica. I think she's going to be really, really good in the next few years. Oh, yeah. Mario said she's got a really nice tone. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, and those people didn't realize you started drum and bass. Yeah. I've got a fun fact for you. My first release was on DJ SS's label <laughs> and it was with a guy called Example, not the rapper, Eli Brown. Yeah. So Eli Brown, that's a tech house DJ now and producer, used to be a drum and bass producer called Example. Yeah. And me and Example wrote drum and bass together. It was, and I was called Adrock and he was called Example. We did our first tune was on SS's label, and then my second release was with Danny Bird on yep. Hospital under Ad Rock. No um, way! And the song was called Planet Music. So there you no go. Way. Fun facts: drum and bass. Nice. Danny Bird blown up this year as well. Hit track he's got yeah. alone. It's absolutely sick. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, 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 yeah. With DW and Eli 
who went to he went to he, drum, dub, he, he went to he went to dubstep as low star and then he went to yeah yeah mad. yeah yeah i mean that was sort of drum and bass as well we you know but he's done he smashed it so fair play to gav big up gav every time um so that was with george, george Qualley, and that was on touring this time so you're moving around which is nice yeah it's yeah it's, it's tricky sometimes moving around but um i love both all of the labels that i'm working with at the minute you know, especially tour room and Defected have been really, really good. Yeah. I was at tour room before the pandemic, and Pete Griffiths said something to me about. He said, uh, "When you've got your, when you are you kind of living in your in your hobby, you need to have other hobbies outside of those to kind of keep your mental state." Um, do you have other hobbies apart from music? Yeah. So you it, obviously eating is one of them. Yes, um, restaurants but, for you. But also, um, I have a love and hate relationship with yoga. And I started doing it about five years ago, and I really got into it. Um, obviously, I'm really short and fat, so it's not ideal for me to be bending anywhere. But yeah. um, for mental health use, doing yoga has been really good, and you get healthy. And, you you know, if you do it fast and quick, you do sweat and you do lose some pounds. So How I'm I saying yoga. I've been doing it on Sunday mornings um, at nice. a big class in Bristol. And it keeps me from going out, getting drunk on Saturday night. So nice. I've tried it a few times. I'm te- I'm terrible. My balance is terrible. Yeah, I mean I can't run. So you're quite good at running. I mm. tried running, and I'm not very good at running. So I'm 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 getting better at running. I'm just trying to swim now, and I'm trying to cycle because yeah. I, I might do it. I'm trying to trying to build up to triathlon. But you're going to be an Iron Man. Well, we shall see. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, never. I always Hulk, man. Always Hulk, not Iron Man. Always Hulk. Gotta keep drinking that water, mate. <laughs> that Bristol um, water. <laughs> I've tried yoga. Shay does yoga. Yeah, I, I, I'm just. I, I'm just make a lot of grunting noises, and I'm thinking about making a, an exercise video, grunting with Graham. Uh, Give it my, a go. My, my, my yoga is terrible, man. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoy it though. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of a mental health thing, really. I find, mm. and just breathing and doing exercises again and again and mm. stretching and stuff. I mean, it, it's it's tricky because everyone knows in this game is a lots of ups and downs. So you might have two days of like achieving lots and um, getting a lot of reflection and a lot of people bigging you up, and then you've got another three days of being on your own in the studio or being at home going round and round in your head you know so <laughs> yoga is no. quite a good way to just get that away the next one the next thing you had was big time love which is absolutely massive i flipping love yes. that track when it came out last year yes yeah we hammered that didn't we guys in the stream that was literally i think out when it's midsummer wasn't it and um, just wanted to make a festival tune and the festival yeah. went on so it was like there was a little bit of festivals, but I really, really wanted to just make big piano tune. Because the funny thing is, as Godson, I never wrote an M1 piano song for years. And mm. prob- probably till then, probably till like, this tune is probably my first big M1 piano tune. Or oh, shout it back, maybe, you know. It's funny, I'd lasted this many years and didn't do an M1 tune. Is yours all hardware then? Are you lot of, have you got a big studio hardware? No, it's funny. I actually gave my studio up in mid-lockdown. And uh, my friend who I produced with, 
for years and years and years that at the start of Got Some, there were two of us. Mm. And me and Alex still work together. He mixed all my tunes. So he's now moved out to Froome and he's built a studio in the garden, like a massive nice. outhouse thing. And I've been using that. So I've been writing stuff on my laptop, on my kitchen table right here. Yep. Getting the ideas together, making a track, getting some of the vocals sent here. Mm-hmm. And then taking them to his to mix. And if I'm doing recording the vocals live, I do them in London. I've been doing them in a bunch of studios at Ultra, at the Cube, a um, bunch of the big studios. It's been really fun. It's been different. I've never done this before. Before it was more in the studio, touching knobs, making club records. Mm. Since lockdown, it's been like, let's make some tunes with vocals in. I've never done it before. You know, like full feel good radio tunes spotify tunes i try and make them work in the club as well that's key and i guess Uh, going back to big time love that's what i wanted to do i wanted to make a record that could be big in the festival but also work on the radio and on spotify before when i was in my studio i had a lot a lot of stuff um a lot of stuff being written on a uh, moog voyager i had a wardorf two wardorf simps I had a Pulse. What was the other one? I think I had a Pulse 1, Pulse 2, me, Voyager. Been using some drum machines. If you listen back on all of my stuff on Ultra, I did it on a Roland TR-707. I did it on an 808. Um, but all the drums were on a 707. So if you listen to the Acid ones, the 707 for me is the best, best drum machine. I absolutely love it. If I had enough money, I'd have, um, <laughs> I'd probably get an SP 1200, an EMU. That's like what all the old like house guys used to use. But who has the money right now? I mean, I'm not, I haven't got lots of money. So if you spoke to me in five years or something, if I had like loads of hits and I'd have lots of outboard. Right. Let's play this track then. So this one was with Kiri and Tasty Lopez. Coco um, Kiri. That's his Coco name. Kiri. Yeah, he's from Liverpool. A guy called Kev. I did a session with him in London, just before lockdown, and he had the keys, and I yep. had loads of drum ideas and the bass yep. idea. So we got together, wrote a song together, um, and that's when the story is that Alex Mills. He had some Alex Mills samples that I went Not on true. the tune originally, and then. Um, I got Alex back in to do it, but she couldn't catch a vibe on that record. So she then wrote Shout It Back at the same time. So then I reached out to loads of other different vocalists, went to like five different vocalists. It was so hard to find the right vocalist for it. Sometimes you write a record and it's like a needle in the haystack trying to find that right vocal to just mm. sit together. And that was it. And then eventually we found the vocal and and Tasty Lopez came along. It was really good. <laughs> I knew Tasty from working with Mark Knight. Yeah, she did a couple of amazing tunes. Also, um, she works with Glasgow Underground. Mm-hmm. You know uh, what's the guy from Glasgow Underground called? Kevin McKay. Uh, exactly. Yeah, she's done a, a couple of amazing tunes with him. So I reached out to her, and she just came through. Amazing singer, amazing writer. Wrote mm-hmm. it all herself. Really good. So, you know, again, I'm really hoping for it to work this summer and that maybe the parties and the festivals weren't as big 
last year. So this year, I really, really want to push that. Do you, are you thinking that these these tracks that were kind of out last summer, you're gonna you'll just keep hammering through some of this summer and make them pop this summer? Yeah, I think with um with Big Time Love, yeah, definitely, and also with some of the new ones, they're definitely some summer ones and there's some winter ones, you know? It's funny, when you're, when you're a producer, you kind of like, when you're in that vibe and it's cold, you're going to write a winter tune. You're going to write something maybe more <laughs> progressive. I recently wrote a sort of p- progressive prog tune, which kind of sounds like Camel Fat, which is nothing like Got Some. And I never would have thought about doing it, but it was just like, I was, it got to a certain time, it was late. Um, it was really, really rainy. We wrote this song. Um, with this amazing singer called uh, Lily. Mm. And um, I don't know if anyone's going to like it because it really doesn't sound like Got Some, but you just never know, do you? Are you still going to release it? We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's going around a few labels at the minute. I'm guessing you, because, yeah, you're saying you write stuff that's like that, that's darker in the winter, but then obviously it's the the obviously the signing process and the, the demo the signing then then the takes ages yeah you it's gonna take ages know. but then it, but then it won't come out till maybe the following if you want it to be a winter track then it'll have to come out the following yeah, winter uh, which is mental yeah, but like when you write a song you're influenced by what you're surrounded by so if you're like on a desert island you're gonna write a like you know you're gonna write nine toes aren't you yeah but if if you're if you're in a shed and it's raining you're going to make a shed shaker. Camel fat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or you, you know, or you're going to make a crazy club tune, but, but it's really important to know what you're surrounded with. <laughs> Let's play this record. go that was yes. big time yeah again it's a tune that i never would thought about writing before and just in fact that i i never written an M, m1 style tune before and it is big and you know just festival tune <laughs> that was the idea you know nice next up none of mine man i we love this track on our yeah. twitch streams on friday we've been hammering this i yes. like it sounds like a warehouse track. It's fucking amazing. So yeah, first that off. was the idea, really. And again, going back to the drums, I made these drums with a Roland 707. Mm. Um, in my old studio, we had one. And uh, I just used to bang them out. The whole Roland's, the way that they did it back in the day, it was literally, you just had all the kicks and claps and you just like whack them down and then you press run. And it just fires them off. It's so good. The seven oh seven, I love that. Yeah, we 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 played it for the first time, and we're just like, "Whoa, this is fucking amazing!" Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously, the Charlene Hector for me. Tell me about her. Originally coming from um, Basement Jacks, she was um, 
when I first started Got Some, she was like one of my dream vocalists to work for, work with, sorry, um, mm. with Charlene Hector and uh, the other lady, uh, Vavula, both of them, absolute goddesses. How how did that, like, so, that, I didn't know that, that's mad. Yeah. That's crazy. And again, DMs and messages, or like, did you know no, that? No, this was, this was actually a bit different. I had a conversation with one of the A&Rs that defected. He was like, you should, you should try and send her some stuff. And then I hooked up with one of her, kind of managers or person that deals with her stuff and she was like send some tunes and this was the first tune again i did the idea on my kitchen table i sampled <laughs> loads of 707s from when i was in my old studio chopped them up into little bits made mm-hmm. them into midis um and played them on my kitchen table and just like lashed them out i mean they're quite they're quite messy and quite old school um and then I sampled loads of old keys um, from old records and then put them in the sampler but, and then rejiggled them, remade them, basically. Mm. Um, but it's really important that I wanted this tune to sound old school. Like it needed to sound like classic house. So yeah, when I wrote it, I didn't want to put like a new vocalist on, like a pop vocalist or something. I really wanted it to sound authentic, gospely, that whole sound, and Charlene was the perfect person for it. That's so cool. That's really cool. Um, you sample a lot. Do you have any? Like, obviously, our, our our gang are all new and aspiring. Do you have any tips for sampling? It's funny. Again, I was chatting to my manager about this this morning. For me, I sampled a lot. The key to got some was sampling at the start. Hmm. Um, but the problem with sampling these days is um. I don't know, it's, it's, it's too easy and it's quite throwaway. Mm. So it's, it's really important to study your music, to know where your samples come from. It's too easy to, as a producer to write music and go, oh, I need a vocal. So you go on, uh, you go on YouTube and you go, oh, acapella. And also, all of a sudden, like Black Eyed Peas come out or, um, <laughs> I mean, we... We could, we could spile them off if we want. It's too easy to do that. It's really mm. important if you're from hip-hop or from grime or something to put something that really means something to you. It's funny because before I was doing Got Some, I was DJing in bars around Bristol. And I used to play all of, like, um, Black Eyed Peas, and I'm just going to keep spitting that name out. But I used to play all that. And it wasn't necessarily cool, do you know what I mean? But I paid paid my bills and stuff like that and I did it mm. but for me when I choose to use samples I I choose them because they mean something to me I remember when I was younger listening to this record and now I've made it into a house record you know and that's the that's process cool. that I go through I don't go I've written this amazing house beat it needs a vocal because that's just too easy it needs to come from the heart that sample needs to mean something to you as a producer. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, massively. I mean, going back to sampling thing, it is quite important to me because this music is dance music. This music is sampled music. That's where mm. we come from. So let's not forget that. Mm. But I think my point is, and also speaking to a lot of my peers on Twitter and Instagram, everyone who's been in the game more than um, you know two years, 
we can sort of speak about this hmm. in that it's really important if you use a sample, it needs to represent where you are it, mm-hmm. and not just be a smash and grab, like, let's put this song out. And I think that's quite important to me. Next week, I'll come up with a bootleg and, and everyone will be like, <laughs> oh, God, Godson's done this cheeky bootleg. But if you hear a bootleg from me, it's used a sample that has really influenced my life. And that's what's key. Are you a fan of a cheeky bootleg still? So... I got two stories. My last proper cheeky bootleg was Kanye West. Fame. No way. That was my last proper bootleg. Yep. Um, if you remember that, it did its thing. Um, and then the following one was called Pump It Up. Don't know if you know about this. No, tell me about it. I wrote a song called Pump It Up. It was on the circuit. Um, I sampled the original soul vocal from a band called the Black and White Brothers, Ridge Original Soul Record. I made it as a bootleg, gave it to a bunch of DJs. Annie Mac picked it up, played it up everywhere. And then um, went to get released. Um, and then I found out that someone else had bootlegged my bootleg. No way! Yeah, not mentioning any names. That was the, that was the last time I used the sample. Because, it, oh, cool. Right, I found, I found your remixes. Should we play this? Seven years ago. Wow, crazy. That's mad. I remember that track. Uh, yeah. That, that went mad over Annie Mac, didn't it? Went mad everywhere, yeah. It's crazy. They, I remember they made it hottest record and Virgin kicked off. Virgin was telling Annie not to play it because obviously the original, well, not the original, but Kanye's version was mm. going out on MTV Music Awards. And the day <laughs> before, they had made it hottest record, my edit. So like everyone was going crazy about that. But that was my sort of last big bootleg edit sample thing. And the reason why I did that is I had a festival booking and I was playing a massive stage. It was at Boomtown. Playing, yep. Have you ever been to Boomtown? I was playing that massive stage. And I was like, I just really want a banger to end on. Yeah. So like two days before, I heard it on the radio. And I was just like, all these samples that Kanye used are old house samples. Like every one of them, apart from the um, the choir bit in the middle bit, that was a it's a gospel sample. Yeah. So I went back and I took all the original samples from Mr. Fingers, um, you know, all of the all of the sounds, and I remade them, remade the bass on the Juno Six, and just totally, totally did it. Eight oh eights on the drums, you know, totally 
tried to remake it in that 80s fashion. Mm. And I did it and I played it at Boomtown and it went off. And then I sent it to Annie. And much did I know that at the time she had made the Kanye West one, the record of the week. And then I gave her my version and she's like, oh my God, I can play that on Friday nights now. You know, it's 125 is a house speed, which is what it originally was, you know. Mm. So literally it was a DJ edit. I was making a tune for my DJ set. And that's why it it wasn't a remix. It was a DJ edit. So, yeah. Yeah. So coming out of that, I sort of stopped kind of using samples. And the reason why I stopped using samples is you could put a lot of work into a bootleg or an edit. A couple of months down the line, someone else could do the same. All your hard work goes to, goes to vanishes. So, so for me, everything I've done since then, I've tried it to be originally. It's custom. It's, mm. it's made totally fresh, no samples. I've re, if I've taken a sample, I'll remake it, make it back to front. I'll make it mine. I'll mm. custom it to make it sound got some. And then everything from Caught in Your Rhythm has been that. So, you know, trying to make it my own, you know. Mm. And then if someone totally, totally bootlegs, they know that it's my it's, it's my yeah. sound. It's not my it's not my bootleg of something else, you know. That's cool. Right, cool. Let's play none of mine. Let's play that. Yes. I love this record, mate. It's really cool. a big track yes. yeah man just trying to make something for the club and for Spotify and for people on the radio and that the drums are fat the beat, the bass line's fat the vocals mad you know but also not not totally heads down which I was kind of doing before do you have to kind of do you have to think about all those options now when it comes to making records yeah it depends like when it went into lockdown we had mm. all of the clubs taken away from us like the whole idea of going to a club, dark club, listening to underground music. So the main thing for us, if we're going to carry on going and we don't have, you know, this is my main source of income. Mm. So I wanted to make music that was going to be able to go everywhere for mm. people to listen. That was my thing. I wanted people to listen to Got Some on a Friday night, either on the radio or on Spotify, because that's that's what people do, especially when the clubs are closed. That was what I was doing. I was writing music for the time. And all the music that's that you're hearing right now came from that, came from COVID, you know. But I wanted to be true to my roots and that I wanted bits of acid in there. I want there to be big bass lines. But also I want there to be vocals for people to sing along to. Like if you're, you know, you go and you're in your car, I want you to sing along to it. 
before it might have just been too underground and you'd just be on in the club, you know what I mean? So I really, really wanted to make tunes for everyone to get down to. Now the clubs are opening again, do you feel like you'll you'll kind of mix it up and some for Spotify and some for the club, some heads down or will it just... It's funny you say that because obviously I made this underground project throughout, you know, throughout uh, the lockdown, which was straight up head nodders, just grimy, <laughs> just something to go right in the club. And I've got all that music. I don't know if it sits with Got Some. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Only time will tell. But recently, coming out of lockdown, I've started working in London with loads of new singers, loads of songwriters and stuff, which is something I've never done. And I feel really, really into it. It's really exciting. I've hooked up with a new manager who's really, really in the mix with um, with songwriters and, and all the amazing, amazing singers out there. And we've mm. got so many amazing singers in the UK right now who are like, some of them are up and coming, some of them are older, but they're really good. They sound really good. They sound better than Sample. So for me, I'm in a position to work with them. So it's really important for me to explore that. Because it's something I've yeah. never done. So that's... looking forward, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I, I've got some amazing tunes lined up with some amazing UK artists. That's sick. Again, coming on the same the same bunch label, Defected, Tool Room. I'm literally making them right now. So that's... I've got um, I've got a tune coming out in March. I yep. can tell you a little bit about that, a sneaky little bit. So Mr. Jam was playing a classic garage set. Um, and I kept hearing this old classic garage tune and i was like i kept i'm um, hitting him up and i was texting him, i was like oh my god what's this tune i'm gonna find it for you now so maybe you can play it take I can play play it. a little snippet of it let me find it okay so the song is by s more or so more and it's i refuse there we go here we go should we play this all the garage crew is gonna know this straight away basically yeah mr jam was playing this tune um on kiss oh mm. uh, no sorry on uh, capital dance capital. i called him up and i was like what is this i was driving so i couldn't shazam it and he said the vocalist is um a guy called damon truett he's from baltimore i believe mm. so again i just got on my phone um i tweeted him and i was like i love your voice i've been a garage head for many years can I give you a tune? And I wrote this really simple garage tune and I wanted it to sound really 90s in the fact that it's not overproduced. Um, I didn't want there to be loads of vocal layers. I wanted it to be really stripped down and even a bit a bit off, like a little bit not totally in tune because them old garage tunes tip top in that way and that <laughs> the production on it was a little bit left, you know? Mm. And that was the vibe with this song. 
So I've just written it and it's going to be coming out next month. Um, and it's called Let Me Dance. And it's about him um, as a singer, as, as, as a gent, going out to a club for the first time. Um, obviously, he's in America, but he's going out to the club for the first time and he talks about his experience. He sings about it, you know. That's and, so uh, sick. I can't wait for everyone to hear about it. So that's that's, that's coming out in March. And then um, I've done a collab uh, with Cheney, um, which is signed to, he's on Edible and um, I, I talk, I'm touring as well. Yeah, I like Cheney. I've been following, we've been supporting Cheney for a bit. So what I was going to say is next month, I've got that coming out with the legend Damon Truett. Yep. Again, it's quite different for me. It's a garage tune. I guess for Got Some Heads, I kind of wrote a bunch of garage tunes at the start. So, um, yeah, it's coming out, garagey thing. And then in May, I've got a summer tune with Chaney on Tool Room coming out. That's the plan. And then I'm writing loads of loads of music with amazing singers from England at the moment. So when they get finished, they're all going to come out. Um, and then you've just had this remix out on, which is fun, yes. part, remixing Funk Cartel and Ultranate. I love the Funk Cartel yes. boys. They're so on it. Yes. And they're so nice lads. Yeah. Um, talk, to me about this re- talk to me about this remix. How, like, talk to me about Where the part where you take on remixes. From? Where are I, they actually from? I think London, because they do the Thunder parties in London. Oh, I didn't know that. Incredible. Amazing. A friend that works at Skint, the old breakbeat label, hit me up and they were working together. And uh, I just took it on. I liked the vocal, obviously, uh, alternate, absolute G from back in the day. So yeah, it was it was amazing working with one of her vocals. Can't complain where, about that. Where do you start when you've got a remix? Where did, where did you start with this remix or where do you start generally with remixes? Generally with remixes, you find the part the musical part that you connect with the most. And for me, that was the vocal. I was like, I could put one of my my instrumentals and just put a vocal on and I felt it would work and it would be amazing in the club. And for me, it was really important to get a really good bass line, but also mm. keep the funk and disco element. Mm. And if you listen to it, you can hear the funk and disco. And then I try and put a little got some acid at the end. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right, let's play this then. Um, that was so cool. Yeah, the acid at the end. That's yeah. sick. Just trying to keep it, keep it got some, isn't it? You know. That's it. Gang in the chat, if you've got any questions, drop them in the chat now, and we can uh, we'll ask them after the thing. Yeah, they've got loads. Do you, do you okay. record your vocals or do you get them done elsewhere? So two things. Sometimes people record them for me, 
So if they live in America, like with my next single with Damon, mm. he recorded them and then sent them to me. Um, most recently, I've been going to London and I've been linking with lots of different singers from the UK and we'll all come together in the studio and we'll record it together. It's been quite funny because for me, I haven't necessarily learned how to record and track vocals. So I'm learning on the job at the moment. So I'll be going into the studio, I'll be like, sometimes be like faffing around and stuff like that. But I'm learning and, and I'm getting better now, you know? So to answer your question, they come in two different. Sometimes they'll come by email and you'll get an acapella. And sometimes, sometimes you do a session on Zoom, which is, for me, right. I don't really like. But obviously in COVID times, we ha- we did it. So for me, I like going to London. I like seeing a singer. I like making a sing- making a song together because mm. we both gauge each other's vibes. If you have a song right there, it's even more vibes together. Everyone's singing together. Everyone's catching the vibe. So that's to answer that question. How do you make your drums up and get them sounding so polished? First thing is, is using a good drum machine or using good samples. If you know about drums and you know about drum samples, that's really important. So if you guys use Splice, you need to know what drum, I mentioned a few drum kits, like a 707, 808, 909. They're the original Roland drum kits, which most house music was made from. So what you gotta do is you gotta go and find those samples. If you're lucky enough to find a machine, spend a day in a studio, and just record loads of drums. And then you have them in your sample your sample library. Another thing is just compress them really well. It's a good compression. It's great. I use a, a drum compressor. Um, it's a plug-in by Plugin Alliance, and it's called the Black Box. And um, I put that on a drum box, and it just smashes it. If you listen to all my drums, they're always smashed drum bus black box compressor there you go the next question was actually any plugins you've been using a lot recently so that's kind of that's answered that a little bit yeah and shaper box there's a there's a plugin called the shaper box which i'm really into because you can get really really interesting grooves can't remember who makes it but it's called shaper box and there's two or three versions of it plugin alliance are really good i've got a juno 6 chorus plugin which is tl something um, and that's free to download. So if you want to make them old acid Chicago bass lines and you want to get the two chorus buttons that you get on a Juno 6, you download this free plugin. It's called TL60 or something, but it's free to download. Definitely get that. Recently got one called Chords, and I believe Sample Magic make it, and it's got all samples in it, but it's stacked in chords. And they've done a standalone plugin um, and an audio unit. So it's called Chords and it's with a K. So there you go. Oh, that's a couple anyway. Do you have any big tips for cutting through the noise and getting noticed in the industry? Just got to keep going. Even when, like, even when no one is listening, like, now, no one's listening. You've just got to carry on going and then someone's going to connect. Like for me, I, I gave that song to B-Trace and she sat on it for, for 14 months. And then all of a sudden, I thought that song was dead. That was my biggest song, right? No one listened to it. 
Mm. And then all of a sudden, B-Traits on Pete Chong's 11 o'clock on, 12 o'clock on Friday night. Everyone knew about my song. So just don't give up. That's my biggest advice. Don't give up. And I'm saying it to myself now. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Because you go through ups and downs. And sometimes you're smashing it. Sometimes you're not, you know. So it's really important just to carry on. Love it. Um, how about music theory? Do you play or program? No, I am a DJ. I've come from a DJ b- b- background. Mm. First and foremost, I was a DJ. I was a hip hop German based DJ. That's where I came from. I only became a producer because I wanted to have a career in music. And it got mm. to a point as a DJ, it was hard for you to be a DJ. You either had to run a label, have a radio show, or do do something like that for you to be successful. So and then I became a producer from that. And I've always worked with people like I'm rubbish at mixing. I can't mix down. I've always worked with people that can mix down because it's not it's not my forte. You know, I'm I'm a DJ. I've come from that background. Um <laughs> there's the next bootleg, Brian Adam Chicane, don't give up. <laughs> oh wow. There you go. Well you never know. Next week that's what I'm gonna do. I'll put a bootleg up. I'll see who's gonna like it. Do it. I'm just a bit wary of bootlegs and I've talked to a lot about on Twitter, you know. I I just for producers starting and growing up, I I just think funny actually, Red Light was the person that told me this many years ago. He said it's really important to look around you. So whether you've got singers, whether you've got guitar players, drummers, we're lucky that we have musicians around us. It's really important to use what you have in your resources. So if you have a singer down the road, get her to come and sing some songs. Even if she's an old folk or rock singer, get her mm. to come down because it'd be more original than, let me dare say, another cheesy bootleg R&B one. I don't know. That's just what I think. <laughs> but then I'm probably going to do, I'm going to do a bootleg next week for you lot. You know, you, you know who I was thinking about who mm. does really good bootlegs is that guy KDA. Do you know KDA? Yeah. He always does really, really interesting bootlegs and edits, and I really respect that. Um, I've cool. never I've never really met him before, but I really like all of his tunes that he puts up with, like, cheeky bootlegs and stuff. I'm like, I'm <laughs> into them. Kind of like Too Many DJs. Do you remember Too Many DJs? Mate, I love them. Too Many DJs were the last big oh. hip-hop sort of house duo that did bootlegs that were, like, mind-blowing and for me i've always wanted to kind of do that and i've never i've never figured that out i loved how they would play with a techno record next to a blue and dolly parton record and you'd be like how the fuck are you doing that like and yeah incred- and make it credible yeah see mad. if someone did that now it wouldn't be credible and for me like for me putting my next bootleg or sample thing i really want people to be like oh yeah that's sick it's not really cheesy you know what's happening the rest of the year like gigs are now back touring's back how is that opening up for you so my next gig is an important one i'm playing at ministry of sound on saturday the 26th of february nice it's a tour room party nice um and i'm lucky enough to play with all my label mates and my peers at the moment which i'm Mm. really excited about because we're all making music together um so with Cheney and Eden Prince, and then nice. in the other room there's Mark Knight, there's Gus, um, Left Wing Cody, 
Nice. Really good group of people. Um, and I'm really happy to play it. That's a sick lineup. That's mad. It's absolutely amazing. So make sure you get your tickets. If you hit my Instagram, I've got a ticket link up there. So get the tickets in. End of the month, tour um, at Ministry of Sound. And I got another one to plug. Um, my friends in Bristol that run Love Saves the Day have put me to play that. And I'm really, really, really buzzing to do that this year. Obviously, hasn't been on for a couple of years. And I'm playing on a stage with Sunny Federa and Gorgon City. This year is really diverse. The lineup is really, really sick. Loads of different top styles of music. It's not just house, techno, hip hop. It's like, it's quite mixed up. And I've just been, for me, I've been fighting for being on diverse lineups. So I'm playing with like, um, with like Kitty Amore. Kind of, she yep. does like Afrobeat and stuff like that. And um, I'm playing. I saw her with, at Defected. She was amazing. Yes, very sick DJ. Yeah. Um, and then I'm playing with Heidi, and then obviously Gorgon nice. City and Sunny. And so for me, that's a really, really dream lineup. And it's in Bristol. You can't mess with the home crowd. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah, it's such a big lineup. I saw the flyer for it. Have you played it before? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played a few times. So I'm like proper buzzing about that. I will say it's my friend. So. It's really good to support the vibe and what they're doing. And they've been doing it for 10 years now. No way. I remember the first one. Shit, where did that time go? Holy crap. Yes, it's proper mad. But yeah, things are coming in. And again, it's funny, coming out of COVID, I haven't I haven't um, actually got a new agent. So at the minute, I'm just um, doing it all sort of myself. So it's quite rewarding as well, though. So so if you're a um, promoter and you want to book me, reach out. Yeah, do it. Do it. Do Let's it. Play. Wicked, mate. Thank nice. you so much for joining me. It's been great fun. Yes. Yeah, me amazing. Too. I really enjoyed it. Wicked. Um, and I hope to see you soon.